episode 32 here at the Glass of Joe podcast. PJ Glasser joined by Joe Malfa. Joe, we got a normal show as usual, talking college football, NFL. We got Pete Haley coming up. Before we get in all that, though, a special little twitch in the armor this week is we got Alicia Graves from Ohio State and Reeve Shoemake from Alabama both joining us to talk about their teams and previewing the national championship game. Our Ohio State student is Alicia Graves. Alicia, good to see you again. How's everything going? Great. Thank you for having me today. (laughs) Thank you for coming on. Uh, So, yeah, we'll give you kind of just two minutes. I know how much you love your Buckeyes. You've watched every game of theirs this season. You know the team well. So kind of just break down for us why you think Ohio State will win the national championship. Yeah, I think the reason that they would win is the same mentality that they came into the Clemson game with, which was redemption. And it's just knowing that you have so much to prove. And I think we saw what Justin Fields is capable of in terms of his toughness um, mentally and physically. You know, I, I think he has a broken rib. I don't think they're ever going to fully admit till the season's over what really happened. But I think watching him, he's better than a lot of past Ohio State quarterbacks that I've seen. But it reminds me of JT Barrett in his prime. And what I feel like I'm looking at this season is a mini 2015 team. Trey Sermon is just another version of Zeke that I haven't seen in the last couple of years. And you know, PJ, I'm a big JK Dobbins fan. I root for him hard, but he's just different. Um, And I think just what I've noticed is this entire year of people saying Ohio State doesn't deserve to be in. They only played six games was Ohio State only gave people a base play of here. You know, we're just going to win these Big Ten games. The Big Ten wasn't that competitive this season. I understand. And then come out in Clemson. And it was I thought it was going to be a shootout. But before you know it the defense really stepped up. You have people like Justin Hilliard who, you know, he's fought through so much adversity. And that's why I think redemption comes from this team has gone through so much to once thinking they weren't going to have a season to now being given the opportunity that they don't want to waste it. And someone like Haskell Garrett, who is a big time player for this team, like, come on, if you know his story, this man got shot in the face. And he's playing right now. So if that doesn't tell you the toughness this team has, I think I'm really excited at the end of the day to watch both teams go head to head because I think what I expected out of the Clemson game is what we're really going to get on Monday of it's going to be a back and forth match, especially offensively. You know, you can't deny what Alabama has, but I think Chris Olave, like that man makes plays that I don't even think are possible and just knowing the chemistry that him and Justin Fields has it's really going to be thrilling but I think the Buckeyes are not going to waste the opportunity that's been given to them despite all the talk despite all the hate everything that they fought for a broken rib at this point um, nothing can really stop them and I think it's more we see the talent the talent is there you can't deny that but it's all mental at this point. Love it. Case stated, and I think you hit all the important notes about 
the biggest thing you said, mini 2015, that is all that has been going through my mind ever since the other night. Everybody left them for dead, thought they were going to get killed in the, the semifinal game. The whole thing back in 2015, they were like the team of destiny. That was the whole year when they weren't sure if they were going to get in. Same thing now, weren't sure if they were going to get in. So many parallels. You, I'm glad you brought them all up. PJ is probably shaking in his boots as a Bama fan just thinking <laughs> back to 2015. But uh, <laughs> Zeke but ran so all over us. Uh, Alicia, before we let you go, your your score prediction for the national championship and maybe your one or two keys to the game. Ooh, score <laughs> prediction is hard because offensively, these teams are good right now. It's going to be a I shootout. It's yeah. going to be a shootout. I think it really comes down to how the defense plays and just play calling in general. Um Ooh, this is hard. <laughs> I think it will be up there. I think um, – I'm trying to think. Definitely not in the 20s. I think it will be fast that. Yeah, the over-under is like 75. So Vegas is thinking like 45, 38, somewhere around there, which, which That's I That's where I'm gauging because I think it will be – you know, I think in terms of scoring, the tempo always, and we saw that with Ohio State and Clemson game, it slows down in the second half. But I can definitely see it in that range, in the yeah. 45-38. That's where I'm going. Um, and, yeah, my biggest key things, I think, if Ohio State wants to win, the defense is going to have to play their hardest um, and the best they've ever played all season because we saw in conference play, you know, they had some slips up. Sean Wade specifically, love him, talented player, but, you know, he's had to eat. Yeah, he's not (laughs) Okuda. (laughs) Yeah, he's not Okuda, and he had some slip-ups in that Clemson game, some um, big moments. So I think he's really – and I hope that, you know, that shifts him mentally to come into this game showing that he has something to prove, especially being – you know, someone who is expected to go high in in the draft. So – I think it's when it's bigger like that for players in terms of your money and your value after all this, then hopefully he comes in with that. And um, it's just, I think it comes down to team chemistry too. And just, I, I do think they all rally behind Justin Fields. You know, I don't know how bad his injury is, but. Yeah. To me, that's, that's what's going to be key is how well he's moving. It didn't look like it affected him too much in the second half. Adrenaline was definitely pumping inside they gave him something they they gave him something so uh we'll see what happens alicia thank you again for joining us we really appreciate it good luck to your buckeyes i hope it's a uh it's an entertaining and thrilling game i'm sure it will be uh and uh, that was so insincere coming from alabama pj i wish you luck but not too much luck (laughs) pj is the nicest bama fan that i've ever encountered no one else i the tweets and the messages i get on like instagram and stuff people are so nasty (laughs) you know what it is is because every other bama fan like that's all they got but being an orioles fan a wizards fan i know that i'm spoiled with the tide so i gotta be nice when they're winning you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you for having me. All right, Reef. Whenever you're ready, we're rolling. So uh, basically, we'll give you two minutes. You state your case why you think Bam is going to win, and then we'll we'll talk it with you after for a little bit. All right. Okay. Well, 
Here's the deal. You know me. I'm a pessimist. I never think Bama's going to win, but I actually think Bama's going to win the Natty this year, which may be a little bit scary, but here's a couple reasons why. One, motivation. I think the Clemson game was Ohio State Super Bowl. They All year long, they were seeing 29-23 in the locker room. Justin Fields was sick about the game, how his performance was. I mean, they wanted that game, and it kind of sounds strange to say, but they wanted that more than they wanted the Natty. They wanted a rematch with Clemson. And and then you go look at Bam on offense, okay? It is absolutely absurd to have three players on the same offense in the top five of the Heisman. I mean, that's the, the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen in my life. And then we have the best wide receiving core in the country, and you're getting Jalen Waddle back possibly for the national championship game. You have the Joe Moore award-winning O-line. I mean, this is, this is about to be – probably a, a shootout at the very least. And, uh, you know, Ohio State, they have Sean Wade, but Clemson attacked Sean Wade in the secondary all game long, and which was surprising to me. And they were having success with a depleted wide receiving core. So I think with Devontae and Jalen and Mechie and Billingsley, it's going to be too much for Ohio State secondary, who's last in the Big Ten. Okay, now on defense, I'm not saying we have the best defense in the world, and Pete Golding's probably on the hot seat if he doesn't pick it up after this year. But – okay, we have better matchups than usual on defense for us. Okay, Dylan Moses gets Trey Sermon coming out of the backfield, and he can't cover anybody. But if he can't cover Trey Sermon, I mean, he's not going to the league, okay? (laughs) And Trey Sermon's going to get his rushing. But hopefully field, I mean, you want the guy to be healthy. You want to beat a full full strength Ohio State. But, you know, taking the shot in the ribs like that, is he going to be as mobile as he normally is? That's what normally causes Bama to struggle. So that gives me some hope on defense. And then if you go to special teams, Saban never has a kicker. Well, holy crap, we have a kicker this year. You got, you know, 12 for 12 out of Riker, Lou Groza Award finalist. So very pleased. And then you have the Heisman Trophy Award winner returning punts. I mean, who can say that about their team? The Heisman winner is returning. And a tight end returning kicks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Uh, Joe, you want to go first or you want me to? Ask him one first. Yeah, let me. Let's see. I mean, stay out of this. You, you, PJ. You can't get if you get if you start getting into this. Two Bama fans are going and going. That's well, that's good. why we're I wanted to see if you wanted to start we're gonna, first. We're gonna be here. We're gonna be here for an hour. Let me let me jump in then. So, all right. Obviously, you got the case for it, and I, I say you and PJ like I wasn't a Bama fan myself. Backstory on that is a long one, but after I went to Maryland, I had to kind of ditch the Bama and, and obviously go full out for my school. But um, you mentioned all the strengths all the good matchups. There is a certain thing in the back of our minds that I mentioned before to PJ it's 2015 and we know what happened in 2015. And that's something that has to be being talked about right now in, in both locker rooms in different lights. Bama's using it as momentum for redemption. Ohio state's using it as, okay, we can do this again. As far as the mental aspect, where do you think that's going to kind of end up knowing your team the way you do, obviously. Well, I mean, you know, Saban is, is a, you know, very good in revenge games, doesn't usually lose twice in a row. And, th- and that is, you know, a good motivation factor for our locker room, give us some confidence. But, you know, here's the deal. When, when Trey Sermon is hot right now, he is absolutely just – he's the spinning image of what Cardell Jones was doing in, in 2015, which, you know, is very, very worrisome. And our rush defense, you know, could definitely use some – probably, a, a, you know, a lot of players coming back next year, hopefully <laughs> – um, but you know, I just, you know, I, I don't see this as 2015 because our offense now is so much better than it was in 2015. I mean, you had Lane Kiffin out there running Derrick Henry eight times in the whole game. I mean, what a joke. 
So, uh, I, you know, I feel I feel very confident that that, that game is – I mean, most of these kids were probably in middle school when, when that game happened. So, it's, it's not going to be as, as big of a factor, I think, as people think. Yeah, that's one thing where it's like the, the players themselves weren't in the game, but the coaching staffs were. I know they're going to be trying to rehash that. So, it's, 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 it's right on the fringe where it's like it was long enough ago where it's not a factor, but it's also like short enough ago where like the players definitely know about it even though they weren't there. Right there so it's like it's tough to gauge how it might play at all mentally on them but i guess we'll find out monday yes reeve and i are very similar in the sense that we're not like a lot of alabama fans and if we think they're gonna lose we'll tell you but i'm with them i don't think they're gonna lose to ohio state and he mentioned dylan moses but i think the bigger factor is sertan on chris olave when Olave was not in the Big Ten championship game, you saw how much Fields struggled against Northwestern. And Northwestern might have the best defense in the country, but I promise you if Chris Olave was out there, they would not have scored 28 points. They would have probably had closer. Four. Sermon ran for 330, and they only had 28 points. So that shows you, even though they were getting so much done on the ground, he didn't have that over-the-top threat that he did in the Clemson game, and it hurt him. Now, Sertan, Reeve, and I both agree he's a little overrated. He'll probably be a top five pick, a lot of potential, but he's not what Jeff Okuda was last year. With that being said, I think he's good enough to slow down Olave, and I think that's going to hurt Fields a lot, and he's going to struggle not having his number one guy as open as he's normally going to be open. Sermon's a real issue because Bama's run defense. Notre Dame exposed them a little bit in that first half and that second quarter. They went on like an eight-minute drive. Ohio State's O-line isn't as good as Notre Dame's, but it's good. And Sermon is, I mean, he's really been picking up these last two games. To me, that's, that's the whole matchup of this entire game is Sertan and Olave. If Olave has an 11-catch, 150-yard game, Bama's in trouble. If he has a 4-5 catch game for 40, 50 yards, Bama should be in good shape. But to me, it all comes down to Sertan and Olave, and I think that's the matchup that will decide the entire game. Well, I'm interested to see what Ohio State and Alabama do with that because Saban is not known for sending a corner all over the field to cover one guy. He usually sticks them on their side. So if they, you know, if Ohio State can find some matchups on Olave, on, you know, Malachi Moore or Job or somebody like that who's, you know, a little bit less than Sertan, it starts to give me a little bit, you know, concern. Right. All right. Score prediction. Go ahead. Rip. What do we got? Um, yeah, my score prediction is going to be probably somewhere around 48 to 31. All right. All right. 48 31. So he likes the over and he likes Bama covering. Reeve, one last question for you. Do you think Sark going to Texas, do you think it plays an issue at all for the offense? Do you think it, it they struggle with that? You know, I have flashbacks to when Lane Kiffin coached that game against Washington in the Peach Bowl. Exactly. But the, and Loxley as well in that yeah, Clemson right. game, yes. too. Yes, that's right. That's what I'm saying. Times. They've and had a track record. When this has happened. They've had a track record of struggling with this kind of thing. What the, the thing for me that I think gives me a little bit of hope, you know, in that is that the recruiting period pretty much is already over for Texas. So Sark has, you know, not as much work to do as he would have had to do in the past as Lane Kiffin would have had to do. But then also, you know, there's only like like a 10-day window between when he was hired and when he has to coach again. So, you know, I think he can hold off for those those 10 days and, and stay focused. All right. Well, Reeve, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. It was nice seeing you again. I see you're hitting the weight room a little bit. 
Christian yeah, Harris gets hurt, you might have to go out there and play some linebacker. <laughs> I'll send you. I'll send you some pictures from the Natty. All right, sounds good. Talk to you later. Right, Enjoy it. Good. All right, see you. Yep. Thanks again to Alicia Graves and Reef Shoemake for joining us, talking a little Ohio State and Alabama. Joe, it's it's nice to not have Alabama Clemson in the national title. It is nice. Uh, I would like to see a team that's not a blue blood at right. some point. Yeah. But, you know, it's at least it's not Clemson-Bama again. I mean, we were both, and everybody was dead wrong about this past week. I mean, we envisioned a world in which Ohio State squeaked one out. I don't think anybody envisioned a world in which yeah. – can't say I saw a three <laughs> touchdown win. Um, but look, I told you the key to Clemson is always their red zone defense. And Ohio yeah. State wound up with 49 points. They, they didn't have an issue seven. with the red zone because they were dropping down. Right. Yards out. That was Can I it. tell you what the play of the game was? If you remember, it was that third down and Fields threw a rocket to his tight end. And the receiver, the DB for Clemson kind of got his hand in there. But mm. the tight end for Ohio State still caught it and right there when they converted that third and 10 where Clemson always gets a stop in the red zone I'm like this might be Ohio State yeah, things were turning in Ohio State's favor pretty early on but then as soon as Skalski went out too then just the parallels to last year when it was Ohio State who had to deal with an ejection on the hit on Trevor Lawrence right. it was, you knew that game was over from that point on um, look I don't know that they can duplicate what they did and, and there's a lot of points that I won't rehash because we covered it with Reeve and Alicia, but look, at the end of the day, I don't think there's much to this other than the fact that it's one of those who will get the ball last type of games. I don't think either team really stops the opposition more than like two or three times. Nope. I mean, this is just going to be how quick either team can score, whether it's three or seven. And that's about it. You might, you might have a combined like six punts in this game. Red zone defense is totally going to be a key. Turnovers, it's a cliche, but especially in this game where it's teams huge. are going to score if you can score an extra possession. Skalski, you bring up a great point because I think that's something that's lost in that Clemson-Ohio State game was Skalski is the leader at linebacker and Nolan Turner is the leader for Clemson in the secondary. And Turner had to sit in the first half because yep. he had a targeting against Notre Dame. And then obviously when he came back in the second half, Skalski was, was out. So Clemson never had their two anchors on the field at the same time, which I think is huge and something that got lost in that game. Take nothing away from Ohio State. They played great. But, Joe, I think that's a big factor. I think that motivation factor and the fact that Reeve is right. I think Clemson was their Super Bowl. They won in Clemson. They'll get up for the national championship game. They want to beat Bama. But that was the game that they wanted. They made amends for it. And uh, I just, I mean, look, Bama scored on those first two drives against Notre Dame. And I think they just said, Look, let's just not put anything yeah. on tape for Clemson. Look, honestly, uh, you know? I, I don't I don't disagree with anything you said. I'm also on board with Alabama winning this game. I threw that question out to Reeve just to just to plant the seed of doubt yeah, no, as far as 2015. But look, every aspect of Bama is pretty much better than Ohio State. I don't think Ohio State can stop anything from Bama. I don't really think Bama can stop much from Ohio State, but if you're asking me which of the two offenses is more likely to not hold par at some point, whether it's kicking an extra field goal instead of scoring an extra touchdown, 
whether it's turning the ball over, whether it's a fourth down stop because the coaches get aggressive, uh, which of the two is less likely to hold serve at some point? It's Ohio State. It has to be. And, and the point that Reeve brought up, they had three Heisman finalists in the top five. <laughs> that is insane. And they're adding Waddle back to that in all likelihood. It is embarrassing how Joe, incredible I, I this offense you. is. It's, I mean, I'll give my score prediction now because there's not too much else to explore in this game. We've hit all the points. We're both on Bama. We were both anti-Clemson last week, and we were wrong. We might be wrong again this week, but Bama's got to be the side to pick in this game. I, I think it ends up somewhere in the neighborhood. I'm going way up there. I'm going way up there, PJ. And you'll see when we get to best bets that the over comes into play too. I'm going way up there. 56 to like 45 Bama. Jesus. And it's because Ohio State scores a touchdown later on. I think Bama's in control like 56. 40. This game might go might go over 100. Over 100? I honestly might. I, I genuinely don't think – I mean, look, think of the games that we saw – the shootouts between Clemson and Bama, those couple of national title games. And mm-hmm. think of think of how many points were scored when they met in 2015, these two mm-hmm. teams. And since then, both defenses have gone down, both offenses have gone up. I mean, I, I don't I PJ, I really don't see any way either defense slows down the other. There's going to be an incredible number of points. You know me, I hate betting sides when everybody's gonna be on the same thing and everybody's gonna like the over, but to your point, I just you know, Bama can slow the game down, but because Ohio State is probably going to score with them, I just don't know if they're going to have the chance to do that. And it's not like both teams are methodical offenses. Both teams are home run hitting. Offenses. Yeah, they are. So you, you might have a, a slow pace to the first quarter. It might be seven to nothing with five minutes left in the first quarter. And that quarter is liable to end 21 to 14 with how these offenses score. Like you just don't know at any second, all of a sudden, you could blink and there's 30 points scored between the two teams. It's incredible. I'm just so upset that this is the last time I get to watch that offense. I just love them <laughs> so much. They're hey, so they, fun to watch. If they, lose, if they lose, apparently Jones might come back. Now he'll lose the weapons, obviously, but at least he might be back. But you got Bryce Young behind him, so it's not really much of a big deal. Also, anyway. tell your boy Adam Gase, stay the hell away from Tuscaloosa. <laughs> I saw hey, that report. And I was like, Nicholas Saban, what are you doing? (laughs) I don't care if he was your former grad assistant at LSU. I don't want him. It started back at Michigan State. Michigan Michigan State State and LSU. He was his his grad assistant at LSU, but Gase was also like a lower level student assistant because he was at school as a student at Michigan State when Saban was at Michigan State. The only thing that's kind of giving me a little glimmer of hope if they do hire him is he was successful with Peyton Manning. So my hope is that when he's six, when he's surrounded by you, incredible talent, I'll tell just... you how this is going to go. I'll <laughs> tell you, and we can come back. Please, and... Joe, enlighten you're, me. You're going to hire him. Yeah. The offense is still going to be a juggernaut because of the talent they have. Right. It's going to dupe either another college program or NFL program into giving Gase a job, and then he's going to go to said head coaching job and suck again. Very simple. This is exactly how it's going to play yeah, out. That's, that's mean, exactly how it's going to play out. But that's sense. if I was starting to say, while we, since we've been recording, uh, the report came out that Eric Mangini, I mean, he's not an insider, but like obviously football guys are always no, kind of still sure. in the know. Um, he said with the Casario hiring in Houston, 
he believes that it is Josh McDaniel's job to lose in Houston. And he believes that Adam Gase will be his offensive coordinator and Matt Patricia will be his defensive coordinator, which is combustible as can be, but at least it would save Alabama from ending up with Adam Gase. So God bless him. Look, I hope Houston (laughs) does that. Joe, one last point on this game before we get into our interview with Pete Haley previewing the NFL playoffs, a note I saw, which is pretty incredible. The last 14 times Ohio state, has been an underdog of three or more points. They've won all 14 of those. Not covered. Outright? One. Outright. Wow. 14, 14 sh- times they've been a dog of three points or more, and they've won 13 and 0 outright, you said? I believe it could have been covered, but I'm pretty – you know what? Let me see if I can Look find it. It's covered and won. They're a lot it's different. Very- but I'm telling you, I I thought I read it and saw one outright, and I'm like, whoa. Um, I mean, right. that would be incredible. I Ohio don't know that State, it's outright. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Okay. Has covered. <laughs> Ohio okay. State hey, has covered. It's still valuable for best bets with their plus eight. It is. We get to that later. Ohio but, State <laughs> has covered 14 straight times as an underdog of three or more points since January 2009. 14 straight by an average of 18 points per game. So that's what it was. They're covering it, but they're doing it like they're winning those games when they are by a ridiculous amount. So Ohio State is an underdog. Very good. I will say this. If if there's any place, because some do, some don't, and it depends. um, If if you have a place that allows you to tease two components of the same game, Teasing Ohio State up to 14 and a half and teasing the total down to 68 and a half might be the way to go. Hmm. Like that it. would be that might be a good tease if, if you have somewhere that allows you to tease two components of the same game, which doesn't I always thought, happen. Some I thought you don't. were going the I thought you were gonna say tease Bama down to two and a half. I thought that's you could do that, but there is always in a game like this, there is always the chance. Uh, you say quote unquote upset, but look. You're down to the two teams in the national title sure. game. It really isn't an upset. It's yeah, right. whichever team wins. So I would go with, and especially given that stat that you just gave, I would go the other way with Ohio State up to that key number of 14 and a half and the total down to, uh, to 68 and a half. Yeah, glad you checked me on that because covered and outright. Little, little two different. very different. <laughs> little different. <laughs> Thanks again to Alicia and Reeve for coming on Talk College Football for us. Looking forward to that one on Monday night. We got Pete Haley coming up next, talking Washington football team and the NFL players. Joined for the second time, not our first multiple-time guest, but one of the illustrious few who has been here with us multiple times, Pete Haley, who covers the playoff-bound Washington football team. Pete, Happy New Year. Congrats on the WFT. I know it's been a crazy year, but they're in the playoffs. And what were your thoughts on Sunday night when the Eagles did what they did? And besides that, we'll get to that in a minute, but just when your team finally – broke the playoff drought it really is refreshing i gotta say to not be talking about coaching changes and front (laughs) office changes and what players struggled and what free agents were bust to have a little bit of happiness it's great and even if they lose 50 to nothing to the bucks on saturday just going out to practice for another week having a serious postseason game to break down it is the best it comes around once every five or six years here so um i'm gonna just 
bring it in. I'm going to hug it. I'm going to caress it. And I'm going to enjoy every second of this experience. Joe, can I just say, can I just say that when we had Pete originally on, if you remember my best bet for the season was Washington over five and a half wins. And you were a little skeptical. Pete backed me up and he's like, you know, I think we're going to go seven to nine this year. And sure enough, here we are. Now, now the question was, did Pete think seven and nine would win the division back in August? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> no, and I think Pete also said Dwayne Haskins is going to prove that he's the answer for Washington long term. I didn't have him going to a strip club and just being a complete <laughs> nuisance all year. So I got the record right. How they got there was completely wrong. But I told PJ when he texted me, if you want to have me on this podcast and just tell me how smart I am, I, I will show up four or five, six times in a row. I'll be every guest on this podcast. There you go. See, and the reason um, I was skeptical back then and I was thinking back to that as well. I said, I don't love it because Alex Smith. It depends on if he plays and what he is. And sure enough, he played. Well, and the schedule, the schedule was brutal. And they got the Steelers at the right time. They obviously got San Francisco later in the year when they were reeling. But they took advantage of it. They got on that winning streak and they made the playoffs. They got it done. And Pete, you mentioned you're going to enjoy, cherish, caress the matchup here. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, on the nitty gritty of the matchup with Tampa? So everybody's talking about Tom Brady, rightly so. He's the greatest football player to walk on planet Earth. But I'm more scared about how Washington matches up with Tampa's defense, and it's because of how Alex Smith was so limited against the Eagles. I mean, he could barely move, and we knew he could barely move, but it looked even slower, even more strenuous for him to try and escape pressure. And Tampa does that, and I'm sure Todd Bowles watched that film and said, I'm going to test this guy a ton So Jason Pierre, Paul, Shaq Barrett, those guys are who I'm more scared of because I I can see this maybe being a game where Tom doesn't even have to break a sweat because the defense just suffocates Washington. They get up to a 14-0 lead like that. So um, the D-line, of course, is Washington's key. Everybody's going to mention that. There's really no other way I see them winning unless that group goes off. They have the talent to do so, but while everybody's talking about that, old Petey over here is concerned about Tampa's defense just ruining this entire evening and whether it's Smith or Heineke or a rotation of the two, I just don't know if Washington's going to be able to handle them. That was one of my thoughts too. It's like Tom Brady as a Jets fan, like I saw it every year. And the one thing that he cannot deal with for as great as he is, he cannot deal with pressure. He can't, it's, it's, it gets to him. He's a totally different quarterback and Washington could do that. But, the problem is, to my next question, they are the only team this year that is winless when the opponent scores 20 or more. Do you see them possibly holding Tampa to 20, 21 or fewer? I've heard that stat, and it's pretty frightening if you're a Burgundy and Gold supporter. Like, 20 points is not a lot. That's, no. that's a very average amount. That was the, the first times- quarter when the Bucks played the Lions, like, two weeks ago. Right. Yeah, they can do that in 10 minutes and, and be totally chilling and have, you know, 30 more coming later. So, like, the games Washington held people under 20. It was Nick Mullins. It was half of Joe Burrow, half of Ryan Finley. It was Andy Dalton. Like, it's not like they faced a quarterback who was anywhere near decent and held them under 20. Now they're facing the greatest. So, no, I don't think they can hold him under 20, but maybe Washington can offset that by having a Chase Young strip sack touchdown or an interception that sets him up at the five, and then they score right then and there. But uh, I think Washington needs to put their big boy pants on and at least get to 24. 24 is my number, and that's just to have a chance. That's like to get into the party. Once you're in the party, you still have to handle yourself well. So Washington, get in the door, score 24, and then we'll see what happens after that. 
Now, Pete, obviously, given everything the team's been through, winning the division, making the playoffs, the season's already been considered a success regardless of what happens against Tampa. Now, had they lost to Philly, would you have still considered the season a success? Definitely. I had it marked down as a success no matter what because uh, the number one goal was to see if Dwayne was the guy. Dwayne is not the guy, so they took care of that. Number two, the goal I set out for them was double their win total. They would have been at six after going three and 13 in 2019. And number three was Ron Rivera just trying to figure out which young guys could he trust to build uh, this team around going forward. And of course, there's the Chase Youngs and the Antonio Gibsons, like the obvious ones, Terry McLaurin and Montez Sweat. But you also found Cam Curl as a safety. You found Cam Sims as not maybe a, a number two receiver like something, but a number three guy. You realize that Logan Thomas is, wow, this guy's damn good. He, mm-hmm. he was a low-cost rate in signing who might be one of the best in the NFL. J.D. McKissick can catch 80 passes. J.D. McKissick caught 80 freaking passes this year. That is something that doesn't get talked about enough. So mm-hmm. uh, the offensive line is better than we expected. So, yeah, um, it would have been really disappointing if they exited um, and not made the playoffs and finished on a three-game losing streak. But I think if we – distance ourselves from that disappointment pretty soon we would have said damn they did a really good job not to mention all the crap Rivera and all the players had to deal with off the field too now when you were watching that Eagles game and Nate Sudfeld came in to replace Jalen Hurts did you think like NBC was glitching and they were rolling like Eagles practice tape and Sudfeld was rolling (laughs) out there like what was going on through your head it was wild and like it wasn't just Nate Sudfeld. Nate Sudfeld looked like he had never taken a shotgun snap it before. Bad. It looked like he was he was like a little league catcher trying to catch a major league fastball. It was just so lost. And that first interception he threw, it almost was like Doug Peterson got in his helmet and said, hey, Nate, just chuck this as deep <laughs> as you can and let a Washington safety catch it. I mean, he was actively just losing the game for them. Um, of course, Washington tried to give it right back, almost botching a punt return. And there was a fumbled exchange late that Alex Smith had to fall on and risk his life for. But um, <laughs> that stuff was really weird. The Eagles are going to you know, be bickering about it for weeks. But like Ron Rivera said, I don't give a damn what they did. We played who we played. We won. I'm not going to apologize for it. But yes, when that happened, I didn't really understand it. I thought I had maybe, you know, been slipped something and taken me into an alternate universe where Nate Sudfeld was playing, but I'm just glad it didn't end up in the ultimate disaster with the former six rounder beating his old organization and just causing this entire city to burn. Right. And on that note, quick, a quick piggyback. You've seen in the last day or two, Miles Sanders has come out and said stuff, the reports that players had to get held back. And this is coming on the heels of, I guess, Saturday afternoon when it was reported that Doug Peterson's job was probably safe. I mean, what did this do? It's like he threw a match into a pool of gasoline with this decision on Sunday night that the team might mutiny if they keep him. I have no idea what to expect anymore out of Philly. Right. It's like, like, hey, man, you're probably safe. And if you hear that, you probably as a coach are like, all right, I'm not going to do anything to screw this up. And Doug Peterson was like, I'm going to put my visor on. I'm going to test this front offense to see how willing they are to keep me. Yeah. I'm just going to tank the last game and make the most egregious example of losing in the NFL's history. And then let's see if they want to keep me. So um, I still assume he's going to be around if they haven't fired him yet. But yeah, come August, I guess maybe eight months time or whatever, will help this heal a little bit. But there's going to be some players who are like, yeah, what the hell was that? I know you want a Super Bowl here, but that went a long way towards undoing all the progress you made with us. And how can we trust you to lead us in the future when you so obviously screwed us in the past? Right. If the roles were reversed and Washington was in Philly's position, maybe trying to screw over Dallas or New York or whoever, would that have sat right with you? Like, would you have been sitting there 
being like, oh, we get to screw the Cowboys, or you have been like, this is just not right. Like, I want to see us try to win the game at least. The screwing of your division opponents, I always think it's overblown. Like, there's no way, um, exactly. like, Cole Holcomb cares about the Giants or the Eagles. Like, that rivalry matters on a large scale, but for players who have been here for two or three years, they don't give a crap who makes right. the playoffs. And they don't give a crap about pissing off a fan base that's a hundred miles away up the road. Like, so I don't like that. I don't like the spoiler saga that like people build up before games. Like, Oh, they're going to kick them out of the playoffs. It comes down to whether the losing team shows up and wants to win. If there's no impact on, Oh, if we win, then they lose and they miss the playoffs. I don't buy into either of those, but if Washington did what Philly did, sure. It would have pissed me off, but it's like, as ugly as it was, I understand why they did it because they want to get a better draft pick at the end. So there's probably a better way to go about that. Maybe you just start Nate Sudfeld from the beginning instead of inserting him just as you're about to like complete a comeback and maybe take the game over. But um, I agree with what Philly was trying to do, build for the long term, just how they went about it was really, really un- uneasy for me to digest. Yeah, there's so many layers to it as far as like why people are okay with it, aren't okay with it. That was one that I heard if you would have just started Sudfeld, no problem. And then there's the argument like, well, Jalen Hurts was seven for 20 for 72 yards and a pick anyway. So he probably did deserve to be benched. So it was a whole mess. And <laughs> what a punctuation to the NFC East in 2020 season <laughs> with the seven and nine division winner that everybody was up in arms about what happened because it put a seven and nine team in instead of possibly a six and 10 right. team. So yeah. If that's I'm, not I'm, a, a, a billboard for the NFC East, I don't know what it is. <laughs> the one thing I never want to hear again, or the next time I want to hear from Joe Judge is training camp. Stop getting behind podiums <laughs> and complaining about how one team didn't beat another team who was slightly less mediocre than them, so your mediocre team could keep playing. Shut up. You're annoying. You can go dream up more drills about putting tennis balls around your players' hands now. You have more time to do that. Maybe just coach your team a little better so they don't have to just hope that somebody else does their job for you. They blew that game. Joe Judge is listening. Yeah. 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 Evan Ingram should have caught the pass. Exactly. Exactly. So, Joe Judge, when you hear this, like Pete Ailey doesn't give a crap about you (laughs) and your opinions and your pressers annoy everybody and you're not winning everybody over. Now, I think it would have been a massive, massive deal if these teams were 12 and 4 and 11 and 5. But I think the 7 and 9, 6 and 10 aspect made a lot of people just kind of dismiss it. But, um, um, Back to, to Washington and, and the future, and I guess now technically the past. Um, how surprised were you, just one quick Haskins question, when they did cut him the next day? Did you think they'd wait for the end of the season, or did you think that they'd do it like immediately when they did? I, I thought it was going to happen right away, um, but there's a big argument to have just waited at the end of the season. I don't know. It was a weird, weird situation that Haskins put himself and the team in. Yeah, after that Panthers game, I knew his time was done, but I didn't think it'd be done the next day. So the suddenness of it definitely caught me off guard. But thinking back to it, when we talked to Ron that Monday, he was really relaxed. And especially after a game where your quarterback went out and just embarrassed himself and made you look bad for trusting him and you just lost a really crucial game and now you have to win the next one to make the playoffs, you'd think a coach would be very upset and salty. But he was hanging out. He had he was sitting in his chair like nothing was going on. Like it was March, and he was talking about the offseason. And then 20 minutes later, the press release came out that he had cut Dwayne. So I think that was Ron knowing, hey, in, in a few minutes, all your reporters who think I'm going to be pissed are going to realize why I'm just, just very relaxed. So um, it was good to get rid of him. 
And, you know, Dwayne's not a bad person, but he's certainly not a good quarterback right now. And he has some things to learn. And um, I'm relieved personally that that is done because anytime you mentioned him, you got 50 people telling you that you're the biggest jerk for not thinking he's good. And you have 50 people telling you that you're a genius because he's a complete bust. And I'm cool with 50 people telling me things on both sides, but with Dwayne, it felt extra vitriolic, which I think is how you make vitriol into a, a adjective. So that's it what is. I'm going to go you with. Vitriolic. You go. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before we get into our seven questions about the AFC and the NFC. I love those seven questions, summer. by the way. Oh, I, they're I, coming, I woke Pete. up today and I was like, are they going to do that again? I hope that's their still, it's coming. That's still their shtick. So For you, coming. absolutely. We wouldn't let you go. Before we get into it, Chase Young is a monster and probably better than advertised. Do you think there's more buzz around him and more excitement about his rookie season? Or do you think there was more buzz and excitement around RG3's rookie season, if you think back to that? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And at NBC Sports Washington, we blog everything. We somehow haven't blogged that storyline. So maybe I'll credit you guys in an off-season post <laughs> as we uh, talk about that at some point. But I would say there's more around RG3 slightly just because he's a quarterback and like that offense was so new and it felt like it was just revolutionary and it could be something they do for a decade. Like for once it felt like Washington was on the cutting edge of something and everybody was catching up to them. But with Chase, what's so cool is like RG3 was a bit corny. He had the socks, he had, you know, celebrations and he just had these pressers where you're like, are you really genuine? Like Chase is real every time you talk to him, every time you see him, whether he's running off the field and yelling at Tom Brady, like if RG3 did that or Kirk Cousins or any of these other players who've been pretty polarizing in the past, it'd be hard to kind of realize what his goal was. Like Chase had no agenda. He was just doing it because he's exuberant and likes football and wants to play the best. With RG3, it would have been like, is he doing that for retweets or what's going on? And it just feels like Chase is a guy that everyone loves and the stuff he does on the sidelines and how he gets guys fired up is really, really cool. So um, more excitement for RG3 in that moment, but I think Chase Young is going to be beloved. And between him and Terry McLaurin, a star on each side of the ball, I can't wait to see how good they can be. And the fact that they're both from Ohio State and just hey, they got to keep going just, to that Ohio State well. Yeah, yeah. It, it, they're quite a pair. And Chase, especially, is just really effing cool, is how I describe them. And they might trade up and get the Chris Olave in the draft. We'll yeah, see. Go for, go for them all. Go for Why not? Take take my take my Jets number two pick. Come up and get Justin Fields, and then take Olave, and then take Trey Sermon. Just go all out Ohio State, and then just never draft again until twenty forty two because <laughs> you sold every pick. But that's fine because you got a lot of Buckeyes. There you go. All right, Pete. It's the time you've been waiting for. Seven questions for me about the AFC. Joe will give you seven about the NFC, and then a trivia question for you. Question number one about the yes, AFC. The trivia two. The trivia okay, two. Who is the team yes. do you think best equipped to knock off the Chiefs in the AFC? It's probably the Bills. Like, I would love to say the Ravens. I think there's something to them having a revenge path. And it always seems like players like Lamar need to stumble first before they ascend. Patrick Mahomes just ascended, but he's incredibly rare. But he the Bills are too, just. He's stumbled too. He lost the overtime yeah, game in the Patriots. That, that's fair. You're right. I, I kind of forgot about that. I was watching that in Bethesda Brickside and had a few too many beers and remembered <laughs> uh, how that fit into his career. But regardless, um, the Bills, like I expected them to kind of take their foot off the gas in this last couple of games of the year against the Patriots and the Dolphins. I bet against them both weeks. So it's like, there's no way they care. And they just pummeled both of those teams. There's something with that group where Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs are just elevating everybody. They seem unstoppable. So I'll take the Bills 
as the most likely to unseat the Chiefs. I don't know if they will, but I hope they can square off because that'd be a hell of a game. I can't believe how good Josh Allen has gotten, like at least in this short amount of time. He's he's ridiculous. Uh, number two, what AFC playoff matchup do you most want to see? Is it Chiefs-Bills? Yeah, probably Chiefs-Bills. Let me pull up the bracket real quick. Sorry if you guys uh, – sorry to all your listeners who have to deal with this. Because I you get so – indulged in what Washington is doing and kind of forget how the other side looks. All right, real quick. Uh, I mean, Steelers Ravens 3.0 would be pretty cool. So I wouldn't hate that. I guess the chiefs bills is my obvious pick. Um, it's disappointing what's happened to the Browns. I don't know if they can overcome not having their coach. So yeah. Steelers Ravens would be my next pick just because that rivalry always seems to produce gems and just crazy hits stuff while you have that bracket up what exactly would remind us what would exactly have to happen results wise for them to match up uh Steelers and the Ravens this weekend yeah is that it it's just as simple as both of them win okay cool yeah if they uh, one by the the one by thing kind of throws us off and you know makes you think it's more complicated but one team advances and the other six play and then it kind of sets it up pretty easy from there now the underdogs this weekend on wild card weekend if you had to pick one to pull the upset Colts Titans Browns who would you take uh I would rule out the Browns because they uh Baker Mayfield seems kind of suck against the Steelers and they don't have a head coach so that makes me a little bit nervous about their chances uh I mean I guess it's got to be the Titans they've beaten this Ravens team twice in a row last year in the playoffs and this year and Derrick Henry just seems to go off for 200 yards all the time and can never be stopped despite the fact that I feel like he should be stopped at some point he just continues to put put performances like that together so um i am a little bit confused as to how to evaluate the ravens because they just ripped off such a good winning streak against a lot of bad teams so we'll see how that works so i guess i would take the titans as the most likely underdog and maybe i'll play that this weekend too because i've become a really degenerate gambler since we last (laughs) let me butt in real quick It, it only actually happens if the bills lose that i'm looking at it because uh if the if the bills uh, and the Steelers win, the Bills and the Steelers will play each other. Um, if the Bills were to lose and the Steelers and Ravens were to win, it would be uh, the Chiefs against then the seven seeded Colts, and then the Steelers against the Ravens. So it would have to be a Bills loss. So so one of your two things is there's no possible way to get both of your matchups of Ravens Steelers <laughs> and Chiefs Bills. You're gonna have to pick a favorite there. Come on, Roger Goodell, what the hell, man? I'll take Chiefs Bills <laughs> then. Chiefs Bills okay. is, is my favorite. Uh, which AFC quarterback would you want leading your team in the playoffs, not named Patrick Mahomes? Um, I feel like a lot of these are going to be the same. Lamar does intrigue me. Again, the, the revenge narrative, the coming back after uh, adversity narrative, but it's got to be Josh Allen. He's There's so many good quarterbacks this year and still in the playoffs with Rodgers and Brady and Mahomes and Wilson that Josh Allen maybe gets a little overlooked, but damn, he is so good. And watching him, like – I think Aaron Rodgers is the prettiest thrower of a ball I've ever seen. Just the, his motion and the, the spiral Effortlessness. is so tight. Yes. It just is, it just is amazing. <laughs> it's like a Ray Allen jumper. It's so smooth. But Josh Allen, when he rips one like a 22-yard out, it is like you sit up off your couch. Like, how the hell could someone do that? So I'll take Allen as the uh, non-Mahomes QB. Pete, this is my favorite question for you of my seven Ooh. questions. Third and nine, you need one of these quarterbacks to scramble for 10 yards. Are you taking <laughs> Phillip Rivers or Big Ben? Get <laughs> the punt already. <laughs> oh, my God. I you mean, make it nine yards. to watch those two run 10 yards would be a sight to see. 
I mean, I guess I'll take Big Ben because he's got the, the bigger frame and maybe can lower the shoulder after he gets seven yards or so. I mean, Philip Rivers, when he tried to tackle Marlon Humphrey that one game on his ass oh, and reached up like a cat <laughs> trying to bat a, a toy, was so trifling and so unathletic. So Big Ben with a slight nod over Philip Rivers. But like Joe said, I'm, I'm getting the punter ready, making sure he's warmed up if either of those two are taken off on third down. I love it. I love for Colts games when uh, Jacoby Brissett just comes in to take a knee. They don't even want Rivers yeah. bending down. <laughs> they just bring Brissett in to take the yep. knee. Um, take your knees, Phil. That's exactly right. Number six, Pete, your best bet. So you gave us your wild card, but what's your best bet of wild card weekend? Ravens minus three, Pittsburgh minus six, or Bills minus six and a half? Um, Bills minus six and a half. I think the Colts defense that's sort of an easy thing to point to like oh they can at least keep it close but as we already touched on Buffalo seems to be in a special kind of role um, playing at home there they're gonna have some fans I know it's not a huge amount and I know home field advantage has actually been a slight disadvantage in 2020 but um, I don't see any way of the Colts keeping up so that is the best but I do like the Ravens as well um, and there's one prop I saw somewhere Derrick Henry having a 30 yard or more rush is like plus 220 that's going to be the prop I hit because he's had longs of like 50 90 I mean he has a lot of mid-20s I did a lot of research on Derrick Henry game logs which is a little bit of a weird way to spend (laughs) your day but I like him going over 30 at least once on Sunday nice and then last question who do you have winning the AFC boring stupid regular opinion the Chiefs uh too many weapons on offense I don't know how the NFL allowed Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and Andy Reid to all team up. Someone needs to look <laughs> into that. But until they are broken up, I got the Chiefs and the one seed going to the Super Bowl again. Sorry for the typical take there. All right, NFC. Team best equipped to beat the Packers? I'll say it's going to be the... Seahawks, their defense, first half of the year was crap. The defense, the second half of the year was pretty stout. I love Russell Wilson. I think if I had to take any quarterback to lead a drive, you know, Mahomes obviously is incredibly talented and Rodgers is as well, but Wilson's mobility just makes me so confident in him that he can always save a game no matter what. So, and their path seems, you know, a little easier. I know there's some reseeding involved, and I guess I shouldn't talk about paths since I so badly batched. I mean, sorry, so badly botched the AFC side, so I won't talk about that. But I like the Seahawks because of Wilson and that defense. They all seem to be gelling, and they just have a playoff experience, and they don't seem afraid to go into Lambeau and, and beat Aaron Rodgers. See, I, I, PJ and I had this discussion about the Seahawks. I'm not buying it because for something that I said after they played the Bills when they put up when they gave up 44, I said be wary of the Seahawks because people are going to buy into their defense because of their upcoming schedule. And that's the only reason I think their defense looked good because after that they played the Rams, Cardinals with a hobbled Murray, Eagles with no quarterback, Giants, Jets, Washington, and then the Rams again, and then the Niners. So I think their defense is a mirage, but we'll get we could get um, to that. Do you oh, and PJ ever talk like non-sports or are you just constantly texting each other like who would you take in this? What do you think of these three teams? Like, is there ever any conversation about others? That's a things? great question. I mean, I don't think so, really. Hey, I, I mean, mean, if you want to know the answer, if you want to know the answer to that, two days ago he texted me about something and then an hour later he was like, Oh crap, it's your birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I did. Sorry about that. There's Jeff. nothing worse than 
having to go back and send a second. Oh, it's so back. bad. I got the <laughs> Facebook alert and I'm like, it's Joe's birthday. God damn. Really, really crushed. Well, happy late birthday to you, Joe. And, Thank and uh, you. sorry, PJ is Thank such you. a terrible friend to you. <laughs> uh, number two, which underdog do you like better to cover the big number? Bears plus 10, which I think is 10 and a half now. It's on the borderline. I guess it depends where you see it. Or Washington mm-hmm. plus eight. I would love if Washington's number got a little bigger and I would go with them. I probably still would at these current numbers. Um, I don't love either of them, to be honest. I would put them in a little bit of a teaser, perhaps, to help each side. But the Bear, I mean, the Saints, I know they won't have – or they might have Alvin, but either way, I mean, they didn't have him last week and they pummeled the Panthers. So I like them. Sean Payton just figures out a way to plug in players all over the field and make them work. Washington's defense has to play an A++ kind of like they did against the Niners where they basically won that game on their own. Um, I think Washington keep it close for the half, so maybe I'll take their number for the first half to cover, but I think they'll just fade away. So don't love either. Give me Washington. I'll hold my nose for them. Uh, Number three, which Rams team do you think we're going to get? The one that at many times, and I bought into them too, looked like the most complete team in the NFC or the team that looked like – it would miss the playoffs after losing to the Jets and another battle the following week. Yeah, the Rams are very difficult to figure out. I feel more confident that they will be the bad Rams and bow out rather easily. Um, playing the Seahawks for a third time doesn't help their case. And either way, you're going into that with John Wolford or a fresh off of surgery, Jared Goff. I don't like either option. So um, L.A., Sean McVay, the shine is wearing off a little bit, and I think it will wear off even a little further after a, another first round exit for them. That's my one that I'm riding. Actually, I got them. I got them in the NFC title game. So I'll, I'll, I'm oh, gonna yeah, ride that. I actually like Seattle to go all the way to the uh, Super Bowl. I, I'm, I'm gonna ride that Seattle. one to the ground. I got I got the Rams <laughs> upsetting here, and then I got them as a really good matchup against the Packers. I think they get to the NFC title game and lose to the oh, Saints. But we're not here for me. Super juicy. We're that's not here for juicy. me. We're here. We're here for you. Which NFC yeah. quarterback would you want leading your team for question number four? Like I hinted at earlier, I just trust Russell Wilson with my life. I think I just called him Russell Wilson, like a (laughs) a kid with a lisp. Russell Wilson, the added mobility, the deep ball, the leadership. It's just, you could give him fourth and seven at his own 15. Say you have 60 seconds to complete this fourth down and go down the field to score. You have no timeouts. And I'd be like, all right, he's going to pull it off. I've seen it too often. He can shovel passes, spin out of rushes. You think he's sacked. He's not. The guy's a stud. Russell Wilson's my player, even over A-Rod and even over Tom Brady. Give me Russ. All right, number five. Chase Young says he wants Brady. He wanted it. He said it many times that he wants Brady coming <laughs> off the field. Over, under, a sack and a half for Chase. Will he get Brady like he asked for? Yeah, I think Chase is one of those truly elite guys who can back up their words, who rise to the occasion – um, just sort of like those, I mean, it's random comparisons to like a Damian Lillard or whatever baseball player. I don't keep up with baseball as much as I used to, but whatever baseball player, you know, in game seven is going to hit the clutch double. Like he has that gene where when he says something that is outlandish and that could be used as a joke in a week, he's going to actually prove himself that he was right to call out Tom Brady. So two sacks, a batted ball, maybe a forced fumble chase young is going to take care of business. I don't know if the rest of the Burgundy Gold will, but Chase will. All right, number six, NFC matchup you most want to see. And again, I know I'll back you up on uh, <laughs> on if yeah. the path could actually make it feasible, but uh, NFC matchup you most want to see. 
all right, yeah, let's not say something that's impossible, you jackass. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It could be pretty – I mean, just anyone going to Lambo. Give me the two-seed Saints, the three-seed Seahawks, or the five-seed Bucks. No idea. I'm totally less confident now on how any of this works after Joe fact-checked me. <laughs> but I love playoff games in Lambo. I love when the grass gets kind of yellowish, yellowish gray and it's freezing and the guys have to sit on those benches with heaters just blowing everywhere. I like seeing who can go in there and try and beat the Packers. So um, whoever ends up having to do that in the next round and potentially in the NFC Championship, it's just one of the best settings in sports. Well, I'll tell you this. As far as the, the ones you mentioned, if it's chalk this week, mm-hmm. it'll be Packers Bucks next week, and it'll be Saints Seahawks. So if it's chalk, you'll get the the five one that you had just mentioned, and then of course, if the Packers were to beat the Bucks, you would get whichever of the two three that play them in the NFC yeah. title game. So two of the three you said are possible. Cool, Brady versus Rogers with Brady in a Bucks uniform because. I mean, with them on opposite conferences, we never saw that in the Super Bowl, right? So that in the playoffs, screw it. That's what I want. 5-1, Bucks packers And if not, it'll be Washington Packers. Sadly, I can't go, but that'd be uh, juicy. But Bucks <laughs> and Packers, oh boy. Give me, my dream, give me all of as that. You just, my dream, as you just mentioned it, is for a Rodgers-Brady NFC title game and then for a Rodgers-Mahomes Super Bowl. Give us both. I'd be very happy. <laughs> I'd be chills down my spine there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Number seven, and then there's a bonus one, but number seven, last one for now, who wins the NFC? The NFC champs. All right, I picked the chalkiest of chalk on the left. I'll say the Saints find a way to put it all together. Um, really good D-line. Alvin Kamara can take over a game, as we saw when he scored 100 touchdowns recently. I know Drew Brees is sort of a shell of himself. The air yards debate doesn't move the ball downfield too much. Michael Thomas hasn't followed up his insane season, but there's something about Sean Payton and that fleur de lis and them just figuring out a way to advance and they can be flexible in how they do it. They can score a ton. They can hold you down and win a 14-7. So um, that will be my slightly upset pick. So I guess that means a Chiefs Saints Super Bowl. All right. And I guess you could have imagined that the bonus question that I teased was going to be then who is your Super Bowl pick? Back to back Super Bowl champs are very, very hard to do, but I think the Chiefs are rare enough to do it. Um, Patrick Mahomes, it's just how can you stop that guy? I don't know how anybody ever does. And I don't bank on him being stopped in the Super Bowl. So he could be well on his way to topping Brady's six rings, but for now I'll say he gets his second. The best bet of the playoffs, like last year. Chiefs are down, hit them on the live line. You gotta oh, do yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> you true. gotta do it. I did it last year when they were down twenty-four nothing to the Texans. Easiest oh. plus easiest plus four fifty <laughs> bet I've ever made. <laughs> That's some serious true. balls. Good for you. I wonder if they're going to be plus money this year if they're down by double digits. If Vegas they're down probably... by 17 at the half, they're going to be minus 250 favorites. You know probably. <laughs> Pete, trivia question before we let you go. You got your trivia question right last time uh, about the Washington football team yet again. As you know, the defense has been excellent this season, fourth in the league and giving up 20.6 points per game. Just five times this year, the Washington football team gave up 30 or more points to five different teams. Can you name those five teams who scored 30 or more on? All right. 
Let me work. Yeah, so the Cardinals were one. Correct. Cardinals in week two is one. Okay. I know the – I want to knock out the teams I definitely know. Not the Seahawks, not the Panthers, not the finale, not the Eagles the first time, neither Giants, neither Cowboys. So that would leave the – let me let me think. I'm, I'm not, I'm not you know, freaked out here. I'm just trying you to be You got calm. your cat yawning behind you too. Say something yeah. to me. She's so <laughs> bored. Um, okay, F. So they played the NFC West. That means – oh, the Rams? The Rams is two, correct. Okay. They played the Niners. They didn't. They played the Seahawks. As I mentioned, they didn't. So the AFC side, they played – oh, okay. So the Ravens, definitely. That's three. Bengals, No. Steelers, no. Browns, yes. That's four. One more. You got 40 seconds left. Okay. Um, so I said Cardinals. Have I said the Lions already? You've not. not. And that would be okay. correct. The Detroit okay, Lions. Cool. That I is correct. I couldn't remember if the Lions got 28 or 30, so that's why I saved them last. But yes. 30 to, 20, 30. 30 to 27. So the Cardinals, Rams, and Lions scored 30 right on the number. Ravens were right. 31. Browns were 34. So oh, And Washington – I could do – yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say Washington didn't give up twenty, didn't give up more than twenty points like the last five or six games of the season. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I could do your trivia questions all day. <laughs> really, really fun. Thank you for coming up with them. They're right in my wheelhouse too. Like, and I see we have five minutes left on the Zoom, so I'll be quick. But when like Jeopardy reveals their clues before every round, I've watched a lot of Jeopardy on Netflix. I'm always crossing my fingers like. Uh, mid two thousands Washington receivers or <laughs> or uh, Joe Gibbs's second run in DC. Like I want those to be the categories. I feel like PJ's categories are just right in my sweet spot. I just I put it there right on the tee for you, and like Ricky, you just bomb it three three hundred <laughs> right down the fairway. Not in a major Ricky on though. a Thursday. Ricky on a <laughs> Thursday. Not, not, not Ricky not in a major. <laughs> <laughs> Is he playing in the uh, in the Century Open this week or no? He's off. I don't think he I envision you I, watching all orange on wearing all orange on Thursdays as you watch him. Like I see that. I happening. have, I have a ton of his Puma hats. I have Puma shorts. I have uh, Puma shirts. I have all his gear. I don't know if he's playing this week. I haven't seen anything about him on his Instagram or Twitter. So I'd assume no, he normally likes to post, you know, the, the scene when he arrives to a tournament. But again, I, I love golf. I'm all about it, but with watching the playoffs, I'm, I'm, cherishing nfl and when it's time i'll take in the pga so before we let you go pete your final score prediction between tampa bay and washington what do you think it is i do think at halftime it's going to be something like 14 10 washington's going to be scratching and clawing maybe they throw in heineke here and there and it, it catches tampa bay off guard but i i'm worried about smith's calf i think that's going to just slowly sort of wear on him as we've seen in the past couple starts um, Brady's going to find some of his sick receivers in the second half. The D-line can't do everything. Maybe Ronald Darby slips or Jeremy Reeves messes up in coverage and the second half gets a little bit ugly and maybe a late touchdown makes it look worse than it is. So 14, 10 and a half, I'll say at the end, it's 31, 17 Tampa moves on, but regardless, Ron Rivera and his squad should be proud of what they did in his first year in DC. Definitely great first year. As I was watching the game Sunday night, all I kept thinking about, all I kept thinking about something, I sorry, PJ, I was talking over you because my screen froze. Yeah, you're good. You yeah, you're good. Um, all I was thinking Sunday was like, all right, all right, what are the Disney script writers jotting down right now? All right, we can have we can have slow mo Ryan Gosling speaking to whoever we cast as Ron Rivera. Should should we go forward here? Should we go for it? Yeah, let's try to draw him off sides. Then you get back to the line of scrimmage at the end when he finally drew him off sides. Yep. You're gonna get the slow mo. <laughs> Spit flying everywhere. Flying everywhere. 
that's going to be the closing. They're going to draw him off sides. They're going to carry him off the field, even though they didn't actually do that. They're going to make it seem like that that was the actual last play. We know they're probably not going to win the Super Bowl, so they're not going to want to continue the movie. Like, that's going to be the last scene. It's going to be like the Sandlot where, like, you do freeze frames on everybody and you have, like, a caption of, like, what happened to them next. Mm-hmm. Alex Smith went on to do yada, yada, yada. Ron Rivera, yeah, that's what yeah. it's going to be. I, all I was thinking when I was watching that game Sunday is, all right, how is this going to be depicted in the movie? That's all I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'll get a cameo, too, as, like, a reporter asking a question. So we'll <laughs> see if Disney reaches out. I won't be holding my breath, but that'd be cool and would be a nice little payday for me. Well, Pete, thanks again for joining us again. It was great to have you on. Good luck to Washington this week. Hopefully you guys uh, shock the world, pull the upset, and you can watch some more football. Yeah, dudes, wish you continued success. Thank you for having me. And if you ever need me for a three-peat, you know how to find me. A three-peat. Three-peat. <laughs> thanks, Pete. See you, buddy. Yep, thank you. Joe, I don't know if there's a guest that makes me laugh more than Pete Haley. He's just one of those guys. I just see him and he just brings a smile to my face. At the end, I mean, I don't even know if he did it on purpose, but saying three Pete at the end, that, that uh, he I mean, was just good for I you hope, for catching that. I, I mean, he, you were right on it. I hope he didn't mean it. It's funnier <laughs> if he didn't mean it than if yeah. he didn't mean it. But that's true. Um, <laughs> we'll have to ask him next time we see him if he meant it. So before we were recording, I was on Twitter and our pal Tim Murray tweets out a great stat from ESPN Stats and Info. The last three times that a road favorite in the NFL playoffs has been favored by six or more, they've all lost outright. So it was the Pittsburgh team that lost to Tebow. It was the New Orleans team with the Beast Quake that lost in Seattle and then there was one more team. But, yeah, so Tampa's obviously favored by eight, eight and a half against Washington. So if history continues on that trend. That's a trend that isn't very surprising because if you think about it, at the end of the day, whether they're a good playoff team or not, whether they're a seven and nine or eight and eight or nine and seven playoff team, at the end of the day, they are still a playoff team and they are still – dangerous and and capable of producing a win at any moment you, you didn't get there by you, i, I want to say you didn't get there by accident you kind of did if you're, the rest of your division stunk the way it did <laughs> but it, that's not to say washington is a bad team Start, right, defense talk, i mean i was just gonna say people are already starting to talk about next year super bowl contenders in the conversation that's come up this week that washington if they get a quarterback they are should be among the super bowl 100 favorites next year because of that defense. so Especially in the NFC. You look at the stats, too, that Brady, his completion percentage and his QBR are, like, well below 50 when he faces pressure. The way they could pressure him, who knows what the weather's going to look like. Um, I don't like, – like we were talking about with Pete, they have to keep Tampa under 24 points. And I don't know, even as good as their defense is, I don't know if they're capable of doing that, the way yeah. Tampa's offense is clicking right now. And at the same token – I don't know that they can score on Tampa because they have a top rushing defense. Their passing defense is a sieve, but Washington can't really pass the ball too well. So, I mean, they're going to have to – every single cliche of underdog beating a favorite that you can think of, they're going to need to win the turnover battle. They're going to need to win the time of possession battle. All those – they're going to have to do all of those things. And it's have not out of the close equation. To perfect, pretty much. It's not out of the equation to do it. And in this year where they seem to be that team of destiny with getting in at seven and nine, 
everything about Alex Smith, everything about Ron Rivera. Mm-hmm. It's not impossible, Mm-mm. but I am going to pick Tampa, and I think Tampa wins this game somewhere in the neighborhood of 31 to 20. So right. we'll say that. Going back to that. Impossible. Going back to that stat, too, when Pittsburgh lost to Denver and New Orleans lost to Seattle, you're talking about two of the best home fields. Yeah. I mean, you know, so obviously that plays a factor. And you're talking about now a home field that's not a very good home field. To begin with. There are no fans, so it's totally taken out of the equation. But look, on paper, Tampa should win this game. When you look at stats, though, Tampa's one and four in prime time this season. Tom Brady likes to go to sleep at 8.30 every night. This game's an 8.15 kick. So there are things that work in Washington's favor. I'm with you though. You just, you look at how Washington's going to win this game and you just, you can't see that offense getting to 30 points and the defense is going to need to play out of their minds. You got to figure they got to keep Tampa to under 20 probably and kind of win like they did against Pittsburgh, 23, 17 kind of game. You can't kick field goals. against and, and Tampa. Even that game, even that game, they had, was it two goal line stands in that game, Washington? where once they, they turned it over on fourth down, the Steelers, and then the second yes. time they hit the field goal. So they had two goal line trips. Yeah, it was that Chase Steelers. Young play where he yep. came off yep. the edge. <laughs> the Steelers had two goal line yeah. opportunities, and they came away with three points instead of 14. They, that, all those things. They're, they're going to need to have like a, a turnover that sets them up at the seven-yard line or something where they could just punch it in. Everything has to go right. Everything could go right, but I'm going to pick Tampa for sure. And then, uh, I mean, if, if Washington does it, it's just another just another uh, extension of the Disney movie. Right now, like we said with Pete, I think the movie ends on that uh, that Alex Smith drawn him off sides. But they win a playoff game. Maybe you extend it another week and you show the playoff game too. Uh, but but at some point you got to cut it. So well, maybe so what's, what was your final score prediction for that one? Uh, probably thirty one twenty somewhere somewhere. In that. Okay, yeah, I got which like would be, which would be. Bucks minus nine and the over 44 and a half in that game. All right, there you go. Uh, the first game to kick off wild card weekend is Buffalo and Indianapolis. Bills currently favored by six and a half. Joe, I'm going to let you know right now. Usually in the NFL playoffs, wild card weekend, divisional playoff, when everybody does their money line parlay favorites, it never works. There's always usually one upset. This is the NFL. I think this is going to be your upset of the week. Indianapolis against Buffalo. Right, and the reason we have an upset, but we do have different upsets. Uh, this this is going to be the upset, and the main reason being the last two years in the NFL, this idea that everybody's had of the sleeper Super Bowl team. Last year was that New Orleans team that was the three seed. They lost to Minnesota their first game. San Francisco was the one seed. Green Bay was the two, but nobody really liked Green Bay. New Orleans was the three, and people were like, New Orleans could be that team to watch. They lose in the first round. The year before was Chicago, who obviously lost in the double doink. They were the three seed. Everybody was like, the way the Bears are rolling, that monsters of the midway defense is back. Trubisky at that time, we all thought, oh, maybe he is pretty good. They lose in the first round. The way Buffalo's clicking right now, and Kansas City and Green Bay are everybody's favorites, and just Buffalo's that team that everybody's like, if a team were to get in outside of those two, this is the team. The way Josh Allen's playing, Stefan Diggs, that offense, Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo. But six and a half, the reason that it's there and Vegas is daring you to take that touchdown tells me a lot. The fact that, again, 
Buffalo, they've been to the playoffs the last two years, but they haven't won a game. So playoff football, me and you talk about it all the time. It's so different than regular season football. It's just, it's a different sport. Now the Colts, they have Phillip Rivers and that worries me. And he's going to need to make some throws in this game to pull the upset. If you got and, two quarterbacks, you don't got one, and they're rotating Rivers and Brissett right now. So, so I, you look, obviously Buffalo knows they want to run Jonathan Taylor. It's going to be no secret. The Indianapolis defense has not been as great as it was to start the season. But I just know that the Bills are everybody's sneaky Super Bowl team, and if the trend continues with the fact that that spread is at that key number of six and a half, Everybody loves Buffalo. They're daring you to take the touchdown. I think this could be this could be the upset of the week. So I like the Colts to cover, but I'd even sprinkle a little on the money line. I think it might pull this upset. And we're going to get to our best bets in a minute, but we are going to just continue picking just all six of the games for now. Right. Uh, you mentioned that every wild card weekend has an upset. Every wild card weekend also has a laugher. And I actually think completely opposite really? of you. That this is the blowout of the mm. weekend. I don't think uh, those teams you mentioned going back to the last couple of years, they didn't go into the playoffs as scorching hot as the bills were. And I think the fact that this year there is no bye week helps the bills because they don't want to stop the momentum yeah. they have right now. Their defense is actually playing really well. Buffalo, their offense, I mean, is insane right now as somebody who was never on board with Josh Allen. I'm slowly getting on board. I will fully get on board if he backs it up with another good year because I have this thing about quarterbacks where I will not anoint them unless they have two seasons, because you look recently at all the guys who have had one season. Jared Goff had one season. Trubisky had one season. Bortles had one season. Wentz had one season. So give me a second season, and then I'm fully on board. Right. Uh, but with that being said, the way Diggs is playing, the way that they are running the ball too, Dayball is coaching out of his mind. Because they've lost the last two years in, in the playoffs, I think that – helps get them on track because they have that experience and they know what that loss feels like. And because they actually will have 6,700 fans and Bill's mafia is among all 32 NFL teams. They are among the closest knit as far as their relationship to the team, because it's, it's, that is yeah. the lifeblood of Buffalo. They're probably two after green Bay. It, it's right there. So now home field advantages, you sprinkle the saints and the Seahawks in there, but as far as just the, you know what I mean? The togetherness of sure. that community, it's green Bay, it's Buffalo. So they're in the, in the stadium finally, too. I think you have all the ingredients here for a blowout. Now, I do think, and we will get to this eventually, I do think the Bills lose in the second round to the Steelers, but I think they blow the doors off of the Colts this week. Uh, I won't touch the number because, uh, again, like you said, they, I'm not fully, fully you know, sure that this is going to stay at six and a half. I can see it getting to seven, and, and with that, you could have the bills in total control and then still a touchdown and it's a backdoor. So I'll stay away from that. But as far as if you want to do that playoff money line parlay, like you mentioned, uh, this is not the one that I would be afraid of. I think the bills have no issues, but Hey, it's good. We got such opposite opinions. Of course. Now getting to game two of Saturday, we're going to have opposite opinions again. I know that for a fact, because I think this is the upset of wild card weekend where a lot of people think the Seahawks as uh the three seed in the NFC are a team that could go ahead and make it to the Super Bowl. And I think they have a bad matchup against the Rams and the Rams could pull off the upset. And I don't care who's starting at quarterback, whether it's Wolford or Jared Goff. If it's Goff, there's more of a passing element to the offense. If it's Wolford, it, it, 
He's got his legs. He's a gunslinger. I don't think he got enough credit for how well he actually looked passing the ball in that game against the Cardinals. And, um, you know, we make jokes about the XFL, the AAF. It got his career back on track. We see it with Heideke for Washington. It got his career back on track. And I think he is better than he was given credit for. I think that McVay, after those couple of bad games there where they lost to the Jets and they struggled for a couple weeks in a row, uh, then the following week against the Seahawks, I think that last week 17 win, get in, already playoff mode for them, didn't have golf. It forced him to refocus back into who he actually is, which is a genius offensive coordinator. And he cooked up a, a really, really good game plan. The offense, even with Wolford, looked fine still. And now you're going to get Akers back close to 100%. Uh, you got Cup back into the offense this week, so they can't just double Robert Woods like happened last week. These teams split the regular season matchup. You, you think the Seahawks defense, and you mentioned it with Pete, is back and is really good. I look at their schedule and say it's a mirage because of who they actually played. So I don't think this defense is that good. I think the defense can be had, especially in the passing game, if Goff is there. But even their run defense has its weaknesses, and they could exploit it with what they have, the Rams. I think the Rams come in. It's going to be weird seeing a playoff game in Seattle with no fans, and that, I think, will hurt them. I don't know. I, the Rams for me all year long, maybe it's just because I've said it and I want to back up with what I've said all year long, but I think they're the most complete team in the NFC. And up until that back-to-back losses against the Jets and the Seahawks, believe that. I think that was just a little blip on the radar and their true identity is that most complete team in the NFC. I think they beat the Seahawks. I think they go into Lambeau and beat the Packers next week and end up in the NFC title game. So this is my upset of the week and it will be next week too, if they get past this week. All right, so a couple things. You talk about the defense kind of being a mirage. Two of those games, part of the mirage, were against the Rams. So that's why their offense necessarily doesn't scare me. Second thing is The Rams won one of those games, though, because it was just ball control. The time of possession of that game was off the charts. So They did win one of those games. more ball control than the Seahawks stopping them. I uh, after the Rams beat the Cardinals week 17, one of the reporters goes over to Aaron Donald and she tells him, hey, the Seahawks won. That's who you guys are going to be playing. And Aaron Donald like interrupts her like right as she's ending. He's like, that's who we wanted. That's who we want. I'm like, oh, Aaron, shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I know you're going to bring your A game, but like your quarterbacks, I don't know if you want to be saying all that with who's going to be under center. And I didn't even I- mention in my defense of them that they have that top number one defense. And Jalen Ramsey has in a, in a record year for NFL passing allowed an insanely low number. DK Metcalf's not even on the field on Saturday. The Rams are a great matchup for Seattle. McVay usually is great against the Seahawks. Mm -hmm. Ramsey cancels out Metcalf. But, Joe, I I think the quarterback issue is a real problem, no matter who plays, because I think if it's Wolford, obviously it'll be much more conservative. They won't have him make the big mistakes. They'll have him manage the game, field position. They'll let the defense try and win it. But if Goff plays, I'm worried that they'll open the playbook maybe as they normally would. But with that thumb, are there going to be times where Goff throws the ball just unconsciously and he's like, I can make that throw. But maybe with the thumb surgery, it doesn't come off as normally does. He doesn't have much zip on it. I think that's a real factor. And somebody who's also somebody who's usually loose with the ball to begin with, uh, now that you have that thumb surgery, you just wonder if ball security will be an issue. I just Seattle, I'm betting a money on. I do not like three and a hook. I think 
The over-under in this game is 42, and I like the under. I just think both teams' defenses are going to – it'll be a defensive struggle. There'll be field goals. So because of that, you could get some weird numbers, and I don't like the three-and-a-half. So I like Seahawks' money line. I think it'll be a close game. But uh, I do agree with you. I think the winner of this game, if the Saints do win, I think the winner of this game uh, has a real shot at beating the Packers next I week. I don't think the winner. I think if the Rams win. Because I don't think the I think the the Packers I don't think they have trouble with the Seahawks because the Seahawks do still have one of the worst passing defenses. Uh, again, looking at this last stretch as a barrage with who they played, I think they still do have one of the worst passing defenses. And Rodgers and that team will exploit that. And coming off of an extra week to extra week to rest as well, and they have the running game to supplement that with uh, with Jones and Dylan who's come along and Williams. So I think. Packers I mean excuse me I think the Seahawks have a bad matchup against the Packers I think the Rams have a great matchup against the Packers because they could get that interior pressure on Aaron Rodgers and you could have Ramsey take Devontae Adams out of the game so I think if the Rams win the Packers will lose in in the divisional round if the Seahawks win assuming the Saints also win I think the Packers have no trouble with the Seahawks so I won't say the winner beats the Packers I will say the Rams beat the Packers the Seahawks will lose to the Packers Fair enough. I, I can't wait for this game. I love divisional playoff matchups. Of course, of course. Third time already, they're meeting. So good. Exactly. And we already hit Tampa and Washington, so it's on to Sunday, and it's on to your game. Ravens-Titans. PJ, what do you think? <laughs> Joe, you know I will tell you if I think my team's going to lose, but I think they're going to win this week. I really do. I agree 100%. They're due, to, agree they're due to beat the Titans, and – the one thing that we actually have not talked about with Lamar that I think gets lost a lot with him is just how good he is on the road. He loses a lot of big games at home, but the guy in his whole career, he's only ever lost three games on the road. He's lost to Kansas City twice, one in overtime, and then he lost this year to Belichick in the monsoon on Sunday night. So very easily could have one loss on the road. But I just I really think that's the factor. I have told you how many times Tennessee, great road team at home, not the same. Ravens, great road team. And, you know, I just again, I think this will be the popular upset of the week because Tennessee has Baltimore's number. Look, they won't be able to stop Derrick Henry. Nobody can. Everybody comes in obviously wanting to, but you just can't do it. Um it, I, I think it'll be a shootout. I do. I think it might be in the 30s, high 20s. I think both offenses will be able to score. The game will be in Nashville. So unless there's supposed to be rain, you really won't have much weather to worry about. But, uh, you know, the concern around the Ravens that a lot of people have are the teams that they've played down the stretch. And while they've looked good, they haven't done it against good teams. But the way they've looked to me is mm-hmm. more – outweighs who they've played they've started to look like the Ravens again Dobbins and Gus the way they're running the ball Lamar's looking better more confident throwing the ball the defense is starting to get healthy um and it's tough to beat a team twice in the same year it's tough to beat a team three times in a row I think the Ravens Lamar finally gets a playoff win um the spread's tricky too especially at three and a half I like the Ravens at minus three I don't like him at three and a half so if you can get the number at three and a half, I'd take a money line. If you get him at three, I'd take with the Ravens, but I like him to win the game. I agree with you in this game for everything that you said pretty much. And I just don't like the way the Titans 
have kind of been up and down like a yo-yo this year. They'll come out and they'll blow a team out. They'll come out and they'll squeak by. Right. Uh, and last week, I the Texans were my you upset. Were, yeah, league. you were you and, the Texans. You were right there. Yep. And and they almost blew it. They doinked one in. Uh, it was one time where the goalpost saved the team. But uh, yeah, I, I I don't think that the I mean, regardless, you mentioned the weather. What depending on what it is, the way these teams play and and the running games and stuff. It won't be snowing it, that much. We know. I don't, yeah, it, we know that. So I, I don't think it'll be a problem. Uh, it just comes down to two teams that run the ball so well, which one's going to run it better. Mm-hmm. And I, this tight, all the talk this week is about the offenses. The Titans defense is horrible. It is God awful. So I think the Ravens win this. And I don't, I'm not afraid of the three and a half here because I think the Ravens win this game by a touchdown. Mm. I just, Greg Roman, please. I know the Titans' pass defense is awful, but just run the ball, okay? <laughs> Don't fall in love with how bad the pass defense is. Stay with who you are. All right, Joe, next game, Bears and Saints. Saints the least double of all the games this in. week that I'm looking forward to. This one um, is the one I'm least looking forward so to. So with you. I this don't even game, want to talk about it much, BJ. Could, yeah. <laughs> Look, we both like the Saints to win. We both um, like the Saints to win. I like the Saints to cover the 10. I don't think this game is even close. I think the Bears are at fault because when they played in the regular season, that guy decided to come up and take two oh, swings yeah. at a Saints corner. Um, <laughs> he did. If, they, if that happens again, I'm curious to see if Nickelodeon cuts away from it on the kids' broadcast of a fight. True. But, uh, but I, I, I mean, the Saints, the way they looked last week and the last couple of weeks, they didn't even have running backs last week. And Ty Montgomery came in and moved the ball. Um, this could be Drew Brees' last go at it. I don't think this game is even close. In the AFC, we talk about, unfortunately, a 10-6 and team got left out. In this side here, we talk about, uh, on the NFC, Washington getting in at 7-9. and Not enough has been talked about the Bears getting in at 8-8 and somehow. Uh, So I think the Saints demolished them. This could be a three-score game. It's not even close. The spread I'm not touching. Obviously, if you want to use New Orleans in a money line parlay or just pick them straight up, uh, that would probably be the move. I think they win the game. Um, yeah, I'm with you, Joe. I just, this game is kind of one of those, like, I'll watch it because it's an NFL playoff game. Uh, mm-hmm. but I really just not much expecting from that. And Bears. I'm feeling the same way about the next one too, honestly, divisional playoff game, Brown Steelers, PJ, knowing how you are with picks and how we've got all year, you're probably going to be on the Browns in this game, but I'm not, I'm on the Steelers. They don't have a head coach. They don't have their, be- one of their best offensive linemen. They're missing a lot of other guys. I mean, to put it bluntly, I mean, it's just been, it's been a total, total, just, I, I mean, there's no other word than shit show right now in Cleveland, unfortunately, with the way everything has gone. Um, it's a total, I, I mean, to, to say that this is a mess is an understatement. I don't know how the league is not deeming this technically an outbreak. I don't know what the technicalities are in that, but with the cases they have, no head coach, the guys that are missing, uh, the fact that the Steelers on the road against Cleveland last week playing their B squad uh, for the most part, barely lost on a missed two point conversion I, I, back home. I, this game is, uh, this game's nothing for me. Uh, this game is Steelers by double digits. I don't really have a problem with it. Joe, I, I love the Steelers this week. I mean, I just you really? love- <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> The Browns have lost 17 straight at Heinz Field. That place is a house yeah. of horrors for them. You mentioned they're losing their head coach. 
And I think people think Cleveland's better than Pittsburgh. And not just their head coach. I think, I think, I mean, there's multiple guys on the coaching staff that are out. And I don't think Cleveland's better than Pittsburgh at all. I don't either, but I think most people do. Yeah. Um, but look, again, what the Browns want to do is they want to run the ball and their O-line is good and Mayfield gets time to carve apart defenses. And with the Steelers' blitz packages and T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward, they just don't allow you to do it. It's a bad matchup for the Browns. It sucks that they don't have Stefanski. Um, and Roethlisberger's probably played in more playoff games than Mayfield mm-hmm. has played in NFL games. So I just, you know... I. If you like the Browns plus six, I mean, maybe, but I'm with you. I think it's double digits. I think the Steelers beat them pretty easily. I think people are going to be chasing this point spread on Sunday. I think on Sunday, you're going to see this. Seven and a half, the, maybe? As, as the players become more certain of who's missing, who's not, I think you're going to see people chasing this number on Sunday. I think it could probably get up to eight and a half as the day goes along. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, I just, the, especially the fact that it's a Sunday night primetime game mm-hmm. too. If this was the one o'clock Saturday, Sunday game, I'd like it a lot better for the, but primetime at Heinz Field. The Steelers got their opponent. mojo back. Yeah. It's, it's what I've been saying about them. It's what I've been saying about them. They just needed to get it back. They finally did. It took the, the, the win against the Colts and a great comeback win at that after a terrible first half. Yeah. They got their mojo back. They carried that into almost again beating the Browns with their B team, which would have been something. And and now they have this game where they can get their A squad back out there, show their strength again. And like I teased earlier, and we'll talk about it more next week, assuming that's the matchup we get. I think the Steelers go ahead and beat the Bills next week and set up an AFC title game showdown with the Chiefs that the Chiefs will proceed to trounce them in. But I think they will get there. So I, this game, again, for me, the, the two last games of the week, it's ending on such a sour note, like honestly, mm-hmm. with Saints, Bears, and then Steelers, Browns. The last two games of the week, I don't think will even be contests. Which game are you most looking forward to? Since you don't have a dog in the fight, uh, most looking forward to Ram Seahawks divisional game. I think that's the closest, toughest game out of all of them, and that's the one where I'm going out on a limb with the upset pick. So I'm curious to see if I'm right. So that's sure. that's the one hey, that I'm yeah. most looking forward. What did to. I tell you last week about that Steelers Browns game that it was minus 10? I'm like, I'm so yeah. torn because that spread is so big, but it's Cleveland. And I know that game's going to come down to the wire. And yeah, sure it, enough, it's, and it shouldn't have. Like they were up 24 to 9. Right, they were in control. Right. It shouldn't oh, have. And it, I did. Know. and it did. So <laughs> the Browns. All right, Joe. Best bets times. You had a great week last week. Four I did. And one. I had wasn't an, happy. You had an unlucky it. week. You had I, a very unlucky week. I will say that. Yeah, I, mean, I went. You had, oh, the Kentucky loss. Just the don't. Kentucky it, I, loss was brutal. I scared that my dog. Brutal. I was just cursing all over the place. <laughs> with fr- when you have a two and a half and they win by two. Oh God, that was yeah. brutal. That was, that was brutal. a knife to the gut. I, but then, but then the other couple, you you trusting the Chiefs playing everybody but Mahomes was very bold of you. Uh, that was. And then, I just and it was more again, than the Chargers on the road. Yeah, I, I guess. Ugh. And then everything that we talked about with Georgia Cincy, that that you had thought Georgia would actually come out and blow them out. That I didn't. I didn't buy that last week, and it came to fruition. They won the game on a. I mean, on a tremendous fifty-six yard field goal, yeah, or whatever it was. That was a. That, and exactly. The two things that I said last week, I said I loved Cincy plus seven and a half because I thought at worst they would lose on a field goal. And then I said I didn't like the Texans plus seven and a half against the Titans because I saw that game as either a blowout or a Texans win. 
And for a second there, it looked like it was going to be a Texans win. And then also for a second there, it looked like a Titans blowout. That game went both ways very quickly. Um, but as far as the Georgia Cincy game specifically, like I said, that was, I said, I, I hit that one, pat self on back for once. I've had some bad ones, but that was a good one. I said, and there's no way that since he loses that game by more than a field goal. And they lost. On the last I watched that goal. whole game. Georgia just, they can't run the ball anymore. Yeah, there's a lot of things they much. can't do. Ugh, a lot of things they can't so do. So sick of them. All but right, that Joe. That brings us to go 41. Ahead. I'm 41, 45, and 1. Correct. And I'm 40 and 47. 40 and 47. Correct. So you got a game and a half lead. I do. So I go ahead. You're number five. With my number five, uh, I will go with the Bama Ohio State over 75. I genuinely think that game can get near 100 <laughs> points total. Uh, I will go with I will go with that. We already explained it. No need to go into it. Give me the over 75. All right, my number five just talked about it. I like Seattle minus three and a half against the Rams. I told you I like money line because I'm afraid of the field goals and stuff. But uh, since we got to bet numbers, obviously in best bets with favorites. The, the point and a half doesn't bother you with Baltimore, Seattle. I like it minus three and a half. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a close one. Uh, just to keep it uh, consistent here, well, I'll make my number four that game. And you said we can't go with the, uh, the line on favorites. We can on dogs. Give me the Rams plus 160 in that game. All right. Rams money line plus 160. My number four, I like the Indy and Buffalo under 51. I told you I like the Colts. I think if the Colts win or keep it close, the under will be correlated with that. I, I don't think they can get in a shootout with Buffalo. It's got to be a game that's in the 20s. So I like Indy Buffalo under 51. Uh, this one I kind of went back and forth with, but like I, I touched it on it before, um, I, I genuinely think the only reason the Titans are plus three and a half is because of the memory, excuse me, of that overtime game this year and the playoff game last year. But I think it's a really good matchup for the Ravens and they write those wrongs and they win this game by a touchdown. So I like Baltimore minus three and a half. All right. And uh, I like my number three. I like Bama. I like Bama minus eight. I told you if I think they were going to lose, I tell you, I had a Clemson winning the championship, but uh, against Ohio state, I just, I really like the matchup and I think they win by double digits. All right, PJ. Um, I, I said it before too, with the, the bills and the Colts that I wouldn't touch the uh, six and a half because I, I there's a slight chance the Colts could backdoor this one, but I think the Bills will be in total control. Uh, so I will stay away from that game at six and a half. But the other game that's at six is the Steelers Browns. I'll take the Steelers minus the six against the Browns. Wow, we got the same number two Pittsburgh yeah. minus six for me. That's exactly right. I like the Steelers as well. All right, number one. And see, as we've gone along the whole season doing this, sometimes number one i do for my like favorite pick of the week sometimes i go for the one that i just think is the most interesting and i think this pick for me is interesting at least we'll see what you think um all the talk about this bucks washington game being like this really big defensive struggle and you know can washington hold them to under 20 and win that game like 23 17 right well think about that for a second if we're saying that washington's best chance at a win is holding it to something like 23 17 do the math. That's already 40. So we're it, uh, on the low end of this projection here. We're at 40 points. Numbers 44 and a half. 
I think the Bucks win, and with the way they've been playing, I think they can put up about, like I said earlier, 31-20 is my score pick for this one. Whenever it comes to totals, I've told you this multiple times this year, if my score prediction for the game is a touchdown or more away from what the total is, I'll pick the total. My score prediction for this game is 51 total points, 31-20 for the Bucks. The total is 44-and-a-half. Everybody's loving the under for this one this week, so I will go away from that and go with the over 44-and-a-half in Bucks, washington as a number one. I like that pick a lot. Uh, my number one, Indianapolis, plus six and a half versus Buffalo. Told you, I think they yeah. actually might win this game outright, but I like them plus the points against the Bills. And that's All right. my upset of the week, Joe. All right, PJ, before we get into the trivia, though, I got to touch on two quick things here. Oh, boy. First of all, the New York Mets, oh. Francisco Lindor. I didn't they, see that. They stole him. They gave up. I mean – it, they gave up the ninth and 10th ranked prospects in the organization. Mind you, the Mets have a very weak farm system right now. So to give up the ninth and 10th guys in a weak farm system is essentially nothing. And then on top of that, you're giving up Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez, who you were going to have to figure out which of those two guys was going to be your shortstop and which one you would move elsewhere. How do you solve your log jam at shortstop? You trade them both for Francisco Lindor. Just put Lindor at shortstop. True. Great trade all around. And they somehow also get Carlos Carrasco in the deal to round out the rotation. Next move I want to see is Springer. I still think they get Springer. And everything that I've said about the Mets is finally coming true, and I'm so happy about it. The other thing that we touched, well, touched on off the air, I don't buy into this rumor that uh, Deshaun Watson will want out of Houston. But if he does, if he does – Anybody watching on YouTube, you see all the Jets stuff around me. The Jets need to be first online to try to get him because it would just make a ton of sense where the Jets are right now. Go get him. Look, I don't know exactly what it would cost. It's going to be a hefty number because of the fact that he's a 25-year-old, probably future Hall of Famer, and those just don't become available. If they had to do this, it sounds like a lot on the surface, but I'd be totally fine with it. The number two pick, the Seahawks first round pick they got for this year and the Seahawks first round pick they got next year. That's three ones, PJ. But you got to look at it in the sense that they traded Jamal Adams for those two ones. So it essentially is the number two pick and Jamal Adams for Deshaun Watson. And if you would have told me in April uh, that the Texans called you and said, give us number two and Jamal Adams for Deshaun Watson, I would have carried him to Houston myself. So, I think if that's the case, they just got to do it. So those two other little things that popped up on the radar that I wanted to mention before we get to trivia about You've been my, waiting all show to mention those all, things. All show for those. But uh, most I'll, I'll, say, I'll say one thing. On Twitter, you said Francisco Lindor was the third best player in baseball. I know you're excited, but let's, let's relax a little bit. Who's better? It's Tatis, Soto, Judge, DeGrom. No way. And DeGrom's on the Mets, so that doesn't matter. How? I mean, you watch DeGrom. How is DeGrom not better than Lindor? We're talking – in baseball, pitchers don't factor in. We're talking field players, position players. The three best – Judge. The three best players. Acuna. Get out of here with Judge. Soto. The three best players in baseball are Trout, Betts, Lindor in that order. This is something that I thought before the Mets got him, and it's something that I even think now after the Mets got him. And and we will – we will have to, to flesh this one out when we get closer third to baseball. Best but he is the third best player in Joe. baseball. I mean, I know you're excited, but since since 2016, I think it is. He's third in WAR behind those two guys. 
I know that the guys you mentioned weren't in the league back Has then. Has he won an MVP? They're not, they're Has not he won at, an MVP? No, because, he's in, because all three years he was in the same league as Trout and Betts. Well, so Trout he was behind them every both. year. Well, he oh, could. Trout and Betts won. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. So, I'd still take Tatis or Soto or Acuna. Maybe for the future, but right now, I'm taking Lindor. He's good. I'll give you that. Uh, but I don't know if he's third best. I just okay. thought that was like, Joe's a little excited, <laughs> which I understand. <laughs> All right, Joe, trivia. Uh, I got a one-point lead, 12.5 to 11.5. I like my question for you this week. I think you'll get it, but uh, we'll see what happens. NFL question. Last week we last week we both got them right, which we haven't yeah, known a little bit. That's true. That's we good. did. My question for you is NFL playoff related. Uh, of the nine quarterbacks still in the league, so even though they're not in the playoffs, they're still in the league. Nine quarterbacks. There are not nine guys. Two or more road wins in the playoffs for those nine quarterbacks. Can you name seven of them? Okay, so seven of the nine guys in the NFL that have Correct. two or more road playoff wins. You got it. Okay, let's go. Uh, not on the Jets, not on the Patriots, not on the Bills, not on the Dolphins, not on the Giants, not on Washington. Uh, Carson Wentz, did he win any road games? No, because he was hurt in the Super Bowl run. Nope. Uh, Cowboys, Dak, nope. Uh, and then we go south. Uh, Drew Brees has won two or more road playoff Drew games. Drew Brees has won two, yes. Okay. Um, Matt Ryan? Matt Ryan has won one. Okay, so that's a strike. A strike. Uh, 60 seconds. No, nobody on the Panthers. The Tom Brady has certainly won two Brady or more. Brady has won eight, games. yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, in the AFC South, um, Phillip Rivers has won two or more road playoff games. Rivers has won three, yes. Okay. You got that's, three. And, you need four more. Yep. Nobody on Jacksonville. Uh, I don't. Has Tannehill done it? No, I don't think Tannehill's done it. If I get that wrong, oh well. Um, Thirty Tannehill seconds. Hasn't done it. Deshaun Watson. No. Ah oh, man. Russell Wilson's done it. Aaron Rodgers has done it. Aaron Rodgers. There you go. Okay. So you need Pat two Mahomes more. Hasn't been on the road. Twenty um, seconds. Need two. No, you one more. I got five already. Um, you need seven. Oh, seven. Damn it. Okay. Uh, 10 seconds. Shoot. Um, hmm. I hit a wall. Uh, two or more road games. That's tough. See, I, I, time's going to run out. Clocks the up. other names, yep. the other names that I had for a last second Hail Mary would have been uh, Tannehill, but I don't think he's won two. He is. Tannehill, he has one too. He has. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was Tannehill. <laughs> and then, it, and then the other one was going to be, um, uh, I just, uh, uh, Jimmy G, not Jimmy G. So the three you missed were, uh, so. right off got the, six, right off the top. You said no jets, Joe Flacco. Oh my God. <laughs> You're right. I mean, that was a layup. I thought oh when you, when God. you heard AFC, when you heard road wow. playoff games, I thought that was going to be your first oh, one. Oh man. I, yeah, yeah, that should have been. You're right. Flacco and Brady have eight. You missed number three was Big Ben with six. Oh. See, you did it, Division. I just thought you would do, like, playoffs. Like, this year, you would go through the games, and you'd be like, yeah, Colts, Bills, Rivers. When you, when, you had, when you had said that, not necessarily in the playoffs, it made me think that there were more guys who weren't in the playoffs That's that did fair. it than who were in it. So I thought to go the Division way, but – uh, in hindsight, yeah, if I would have done it your way, 
I probably would have gotten it because, uh, let's see, your way I would have gotten that Rodgers did it, that Breeze did it, uh, that Russell Wilson did it, that Tom Brady did it, the top four seeds in the NFC all did it. Uh, I would have gotten that Big Ben did it, and I would have gotten that Rivers did it. So that would have right. already put so me at six, and I would have needed one Black, more. Yeah, well, you're right. Tannehill did it. So you would, you would right. have had seven. I, I, wasn't, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure about Tannehill. Right. But then why so did you Flacco, phrase the question like that? Foles, <laughs> I guess you had to. Foles is the last one. He is Okay. Two. All right. So I am disappointed in myself because I definitely should have done it differently, and I definitely should have gotten Big Ben. And Tannehill, borderline. I, I did want to say him, though. Yeah, right. Tannehill right. was, but he won the two last year. Those were the two. He beat New England and Baltimore. I couldn't remember. I, 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 I was blanket on that if, he, if it was two road games or one last year. All right. Good so call. There you go. All, All right. right. Mine for you. You also need seven. Okay. Going big. After, right. after Derrick Henry got to 2,000 yards on Sunday, he became the eighth. Who were the other seven? All right. Uh, Chris Johnson, CJ2K. One of them. Jamal Lewis. Two of them. OJ Simpson. Three of them. Eric Dickerson. Four. Oh, man. 20 seconds into it. Did Curtis Martin never do it? I don't think so. Um, Walter Payton? No. One strike. Mm. Curtis Martin, I feel like, did do it. Uh, Earl Cam- Earl Campbell, two strikes. All right, halfway uh, through, forty-five yeah. seconds down, forty-five to go. Ooh, Terrell Davis. I feel- Terrell Davis. He is one of them. Okay. Uh, God, Earl Campbell, Curtis Martin. I really feel like two guys still missing. Two guys. Yep. Um, uh, let's see, Jim Brown. I don't know if he rushed for that many. Uh, I'll go Curtis Martin. Nope. Strike three. The two that you missed, Barry Sanders, Adrian Peterson. <sighs> Adrian Peterson, of course. <laughs> of course. And Barry. Oh, man. All right. Yeah. So, like, we both, that makes me feel better that we both missed that two. That oh, we yeah. Have. That was. That we absolutely should have gotten. AP was bad i mean that was both of us this was one there's been times where we've given each other just brutal questions and we're really mean (laughs) about it this was not one of those times no oh my god barry wasn't even in my the fact that he wasn't even neither of those two are on my radar which is just (laughs) what gets me oh my god ap of course with the vikings that year he came off of his big injury yes sir. curtis martin i i thought he did did it it for the jets no no one of the all-time oh. leading rushers, top five, but did not get Right, through. okay. I knew Emmett never did it, obviously leading the league rushing, but good stuff, Joe. Good stuff. All right, so we right. stay uh, – so, yeah, I need to catch you in uh, in best bets this week. We both have Pittsburgh. Both have Pittsburgh. That's the only – Only game. agreement. The only game, yep. All right, you got so a chance to make happens. up some ground. All right, thanks again to Alicia, Reeve, and Pete. That was a packed episode. Looking forward, Joe. I mean, it's January, baby. We got NFL playoffs, national. We're going to be coming up on some NCAA basketball, heating up conference play in, in, in a little bit here. It's we're starting at the wheel. NHL start. starts next NHL week. NHL starts next week. Let's go. Got a, lot, got a lot going on. A lot going on. A lot again, of fun. Before All we know right. it, it'll be it'll be Francisco Lindor showing up at spring training in a Mets jersey. <laughs> there you go, Joe. Happy belated birthday, by the way. Thank you. Thank I, you. I did not forget this time. Now. This. Time. <laughs>